And we are live. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Thursday, January 11th. I am Josh Engelman. I'm joined by Greg Ehrenberg. We are brought to you by BetMGM. We have an easy one today. Four-game main slate. If you're interested in playing a showdown, there's a 2.30 or 2 o'clock Paris game today. If you want to do that, you shouldn't, but you can. Uh, anyway, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Follow us both on Twitter. What's going on, Greg? Uh, yeah, not too, too much here. Uh, like you said, we got a four-game slate, but even though it's only four games, there's a ton of value, uh, particularly on the Dallas Mavericks. And, and we know how exciting it is when the Dallas Mavericks are missing Luka Doncic. And now it never, ever fails. It, it, every single time this has been this situation, nothing has happened but the chalk always smashing. No variance. There's never been a game where the Mavericks came out and lost by 50 points and the starters didn't play in the second half, so... Uh, breaking it down for like the I don't know like fourth or fifth time about the situation this year. Yeah, it's a it's a hell of a slate. We've got spoiler alert to everybody. I don't want to uh, bury the most interesting piece. We've got Jaden Hardy currently projected for ninety five percent ownership, <laughs> and it's yeah. right too. It's high. It's high, and it's it's also something where you know just the field is sharper now than it was a couple of years ago. There was a point in time where. I might look at our ownership projection and be like, all right, Jaden Hardy's clearly the best play on the slate, but really the field's going to roster him 90%. Now the answer is, yeah, they probably are going to roster him 90%, and it is justified because I'm even over that mark in the initial runs I'm doing. So am I, the full 100. We'll talk about all of that throughout this show. So here we go. The Boston Celtics. Do I have that in there right? I guess, no, I can't have that in there right, can I? Which, Did I copy uh, their line incorrectly? No, it's a, it's a very weird line. Uh, give me one second. So the Boston Celtics are, oh, okay. So I guess I kind of did. When I started today, that line was Celtics were six-point dogs. That line is now four and a half. Which is so still very weird. On the back-to-back, -back, you know, we didn't have Kristaps Porzingis yesterday. Kind of leads me to believe that we don't have Kristaps Porzingis once again today, but not something we could really dig into yet. I don't expect to have Al Horford on the second half of this back-to-back, -back, but there is no ownership coming into this Boston Celtics team. 4% to Jalen Brown, 4% to Sam Hauser are the two high marks. You get White, Brown, Holiday, and Cornette around 10% on FanDuel. That's just a different structure. And it's not like Boston looks all that good. Like, I like this spot, but we need to know who's in or out before we can actually get to this Boston team. It's really hard to right now. And I am under the assumption that Porzingis is going to play with Al Horford resting. I know you had said just there that you think that he ends up sitting, but let me see, was there any, like, official... Not that I necessarily think it's Porzingis. I just think it's somebody. Fair. I, with I Port, Porzingis being out yesterday, I'm just like kind of carrying that one over, but I don't really understand why this line would be what it is. Yeah, so we have for sure Orford uh, very unlikely to play. Tail end of a back-to-back. -back. They also played overtime last night. If we are trying to figure out who it is that potentially rests, like I think Porzingis probably plays because he sat yesterday. Now, with that said, between Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, wouldn't be surprised at all if one or two of these guys sit when you consider tail end of a back-to-back. -back. They played in overtime last night as well. So that could definitely be something that ends up uh, influencing what they end up doing. But no real, it, it is hard to parse because we don't know outside of speculation who could end up sitting. Uh, like, 
this line is like three points too high to me with a full freight of Boston. Like it's not Al, Al Horford is not the reason that it's happening. No, it's got to be another main dude. Yeah. So like, I like to go to dunks and threes just for like a general idea of the EPM numbers and where that would leave teams based on, you know, some of the adjusted net ratings. And yeah, yeah I mean, we've got Boston is a plus 10.1, just like by far the best of any team in the league this year. And you got Milwaukee who has a good record, but they kind of have really overperformed what some of the underlying numbers are. So just based on what the metrics are, based on the dunks and threes numbers, you would expect this spread to be, let's see, so seven Boston and a half. Favored? Probably Boston favored by four. So like the line yeah. completely flipped because right now it's Boston plus four and a half. So like at one hand, I'd want to tell people like, all right, based on the information we have now, it kind of makes sense to go ahead and bet Boston as an underdog, but you just don't know who ends up sitting. Right, you you do that, and then all of a sudden at one thirty, we find out that Porzingis and Tatum aren't playing, and it's like, oh, that's why it's four and a half. And actually, Sean V brings up a really good point in the chat, which is my, that, my... Whoa, 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 no, whoa, I, whoa. I'm going to tell you this is this is it's relevant. My, can you just say that he brings up a point in chat? Can we? No, we it's, have to, it's a good one. Is it good? Yeah, it is. I'll tell I'll okay. tell you why because my initial instinct is to think this is a good rest spot for Drew Holiday, but this is his first game playing in Milwaukee against the Bucks since the trade. So I do think that actually does make them a little bit less likely to rest him, maybe a little bit more likely to rest Derek White if they were choosing between the two. Eh. It, it's a point. It's a it's a point. It's not a really good one. I'm not giving <laughs> him that kind of credit. I I don't I don't appreciate that. <laughs> So it's, it's relevant to me. So obviously there's a lot going on here for Boston and it's mostly just a wait and see. Like this is the first game. It's at seven 30. We're going to get an injury report. We don't make, you know, they played yesterday. If it is Porzingis again, I have a sneaky suspicion. We're going to be interested in a $4,700 Luke Cornette. For sure. I mean, we saw Luke Cornette start not all that long ago in a game that both uh, Christoph Porzingis and Al Horford were out, and he's a decent enough fantasy producer, as most big men are. He ended up playing big minutes in that game, and he ended up smashing as well. It was a game where he played really well, which makes you think that in the same situation, if Porzingis and Horford are both out, then you see Luke Cornett move back into the starting lineup, and the last time we saw that, he played 33 minutes, which led to 40 yeah. fantasy points, and considering his point-per-minute rate, like that's not a crazy expected outcome. No, not at all. And like, even if you want to be more pessimistic and say like, I don't know, 28 minutes, he gets in, you know, there's some foul trouble or something like that. He's still going to project as like a 5.5 to 6X guy on paper. He'll become one of the best center options, if not the best center option you can get to. And you'll feel good about getting a value piece that isn't playing for the Mavericks. Yeah. And I mean, just looking at my Boston exposure to what you said before, why it's wait and see, I don't have... I don't have exposure to really anybody at any kind of meaningful rate on this team, but no. very, very strong chance that ends up changing. And also as far as the way that the odds are posted for this game, there could very well end up being a lot of value on Boston. I don't think it's a guarantee that they sit people in this game. The lines are very yeah. speculative. A lot of people look at them and say like, Oh, the books know something they don't. They're just kind of being proactive and trying to be smart about how they price the lines. Because I know for me in the past, they used to be really bad at this. Yeah, they were terrible at rest situations, particularly like the end of NBA season games. You get a team that's already locked into a playoff spot that was playing in tail into back to back. And they would just always set the line as if everybody was in. And you could bet these teams as, you know, massive underdogs playing a team that was going to end up resting all of their star players. 
So I don't think because the line is what it is, it means that the Celtics are guaranteed to rest somebody. It's just the way yeah. that the books are speculating. Yeah, like if we get the 130 injury report and people are in it, this line is going to come down from four and a half. It right. just is. Like they're not, Milwaukee is not a fate. Like this implies that Milwaukee is a better team than them on a neutral court. And there is 0% chance that that is a true statement. So something will happen here one way or the other. We just don't know which which one it is. It's either the line's right and somebody's out or the line's wrong and nobody's out. But we don't know that information. It just yeah. means we need to pay attention to it. And for for people just to just to know this information. So if we're using some of the dunks and threes data and, you know, you could get this information from whatever other site you like to look at with value metrics, the Celtics are about seven and a half points better than the Bucs on a neutral court. And then home court is worth anywhere from like three and a half to four points. So no matter how you slice it, if everybody's in here, the Celtics would be favored. And instead, they're uh, kind of significant underdogs right now. Yeah. Now, the Milwaukee side is a little bit easier to talk about. Uh, 13% ownership coming into Damian Lillard. He was out last time. He's back today. It's 20 on FanDuel. It's 25 to Middleton on FanDuel. There's no ownership coming in anywhere else, though. 3% to Brooke Lopez, 6 to Giannis. We have all of this value on the Mavs today, and Giannis at 12K is still 6% owned. That is really crazy to think about for right now. No ownership coming into Middleton. Let's start with the guy that's getting love. 8,500 on DK for Dame. I have 32% at that 13% ownership number because I got a lot of value to use and I'm using it to pay up for Dane. So this is not the particular spot that I'm paying up for. We're going to be talking a, a little more about that. There are some contrarian payup options that both you and yeah. I like a good amount. I am a little bit overweight to Dane, but nothing significant. I got 16% of him in my first run. And I do agree with you to, uh, to some extent where it's like, boy, it seems weird that Giannis isn't really picking up any ownership. But when I'm running lineups right now, I'm also not really getting to very much of Giannis at the moment. Same. So I'm not exactly sure why that is the case. Now, one thing that I will add to this is that if we start to see players get ruled out from the Boston side, more value opens up. I think a little bit more value will make it easier to get to Giannis. But at least as things stand right now, uh, not somebody that I'd be getting to a whole ton of. And the only guy who I really have any kind of meaningful amount of from, from Milwaukee is Damian Lillard right now. I think it's just Anthony Davis. He, he's not all that different right now than what Giannis is. And he's a dramatic salary savings at the exact same position. And, and I think that's really just what's happening here. 12K is a big price tag. Now, it, it, like if Giannis goes out and drops 80, I promise you, you have to have him today. So there is, and you're not going to, like the people that... Here's the real problem with Giannis today. If Giannis has a Giannis day and goes out and let's even say 75 fantasy points, like that is going to be a guaranteed need because everyone else is also going to have all of that Mavs value too. Like it's not going to be any different. You're already going to be getting those same value plays. You're just already locking in that Giannis. So I'm really curious to see where his ownership ends up going because he it will not take much over a median projection for Giannis to just simply be a necessity with another payup option too. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that we've got SGA and you mentioned with Anthony Davis, but SGA and Anthony Davis, I don't think these guys should be projecting all that differently from Giannis. And as I'm looking at the slate as a whole, taking a step yeah. back and looking at the exposures I got to, yeah, with SGA and AD both projecting similarly to Giannis while being cheaper, they end up being higher priority. Something else. It is kind of hard to get lineups that have like Giannis, with an SGA or an AD. However, it's not very hard to get lineups with SGA and AD together with some of the Mavericks value. So 
Uh, just, yeah, that, that slightly elevated price point does make him fall by the wayside a bit. I also want to mention, and I don't like this, uh, Brooke Lopez projected for 3% ownership on a four-game slate. Uh, you know, he's still playing 32, 33 minutes a night. I have 24 as a sort of pivot to pretty heavy ownership coming in on Yusuf Nurkic. Do me a favor, because I'm guessing you don't know this, because I didn't know this either. Okay. Pull up Brooke Lopez on dunks and threes and scroll down a little bit to his game logs and check out that trend line. Right. He has been next level dog shit for a month to the like way beyond what a replacement level center would be. And then also it's what has... staggering, by the way, 0.8 fantasy points per minute for Brooke Lopez over the past 30 days. So it's not just like advanced stats. Isn't looking good for Brooke Lopez. He is also not performing on the offensive side. Yeah. That was something I wanted to look up too. Cause I'm pulling up dunks and threes on my phone while also looking at some of his fantasy output here and trying to figure out what's different for Brooke Lopez this year compared to last year. I mean, one of the easy things that's going to be to point out for Brooke Lopez is, and this is something we would, we all should have expected coming into the season, but less usage for him there because Damian Lillard is just a much higher usage guy than Drew Holiday. But then also something that's changed over the course of the last month that wasn't the case earlier in the year, in addition to Damian Lillard being there, Chris Middleton was out slash playing limited minutes at times earlier in the season. Now you've got Middleton playing a full allotment of minutes. There's only so much usage to go around in this offense. And it really does make sense if you think about it. The first player that's going to lose out on touches and shots, it has to be Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... It's really interesting to see what's going on with him right now. I don't I don't know how to read into it, but I was shocked when I saw that trend line. I was just like, oh, no, that's not good. Speaking of interesting things. Now, I don't think we're going to be getting to too much Middleton at 7,800. His prop, his points prop when I got to prize picks this morning was 14 and a half. They ripped it down immediately after I took it and it went to 15 and a half. I have him projected for 18 and a half real points. I don't really understand why his points prop today is as low as it is. It it really doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You don't even have to give him a full amount of minutes for like you don't have to give him 34 36 minutes for him to be expected for north of 14 and a half. I mean if we look at him I'll do I'll do it as easy as I can. He's scored 470 points this year in 814 minutes. If he yeah. plays 32 minutes, which is about what he's playing every single night. That's 18 and a half real points. This matchup is implying that he loses three points off of his normal run. He's averaging over that that mark for the season. So the, yeah. the number was 14 and a half, the opening line. You took the over. He's averaging 14.7 this year in 25.4 minutes per game because of the minutes restriction earlier in the year. It makes no sense. They're actually, they set that line as if he was going to play 26 minutes tonight. Yeah, I, but I what, like what I don't understand is why. How is it out there? How much were we going to see that move? If it doesn't move, should we be looking into that as like, we don't know something about Chris Middleton today? Not to no, mention, like, we're projecting Milwaukee pretty well with the expectation that we're probably going to see someone out for Boston. So a better matchup for Milwaukee. So here's the only thing I could think. All right. Do the Bucks play tomorrow? And the answer is no. No, it's a really shitty line. That's the answer. It's just a really bad line because... You start to think like, all right, what, what reasons could Chris Middleton potentially be limited? And it's, it's the tail end of a back-to-back. Nope, they haven't played in a few days. They actually have a couple days off before playing today. Their last game was January 8th against Utah. Then you go, okay. And they're they're at home today yeah, and at home on Saturday. They're not yeah. even traveling. 
so that's the other part is then I start to look like, okay, are they playing tomorrow? And is that something where maybe they try to limit his minutes? So we can play both ends of the backpack. Nope. That's not the case either. Then to your point, do they travel tomorrow? That, that's also a no. I, I don't think this is anything. I think this is them looking at Chris Middleton's minutes, plugging that in as his minutes for tonight and setting up a really shitty projection on an over under. We're up to 16 and a half, slightly juiced to the under on FanDuel now. But I told everybody on the process that was watching, go bet that shit immediately. Yeah. Hey, that's one of the benefits of being up at uh, ridiculous hours like Josh's to do basketball content in the morning. Yep. Yep. Unfortunately for me, I live in the state of North Carolina and I was only able to take advantage of it on prize picks and not across every sports book that existed because <laughs> I was just ready to unleash the beast when I saw it. And I was sleeping. Yeah, I was. Uh, I wish I were sleeping. That would have been a much more fun experience for me to instead of just getting one prize picks card down. But what are you going to do? Anyway, I don't think it matters all that much for DFS, but it certainly matters for everything we just talked about. Do you have anything else you want to touch on for Milwaukee? Because they're really just not getting a lot of love. Yeah, it's really just Dame for me right now. The one thing that will definitely be relevant is let's see what ends up happening with Boston. If they end up sitting guys, then Milwaukee... Uh, could definitely end up looking better on paper. They'd have some players that project better, and then there's also more value that make it easier to spend up even more for guys like Dame and Giannis, but just Dame for me right now. All righty. Schedule for the rest of the day, folks. I will only give that out once you hit the like button. All right, I'll assume you did that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go with a 2 p.m. NHL strategy show. Greg will then be back at 4.30 for the Owner's Box live show. No deeper dive today, only four-game slate. So we will have NBA live before lock from 6.30 to 7.30. Eric will be back with Bellman to break it all down. That is what we have for you for today. We would also like you to use our avatar. Go to stochastic.com slash avatar. You will get a little logo that you can click on. Load it up. <laughs> I choked to death on my own air. <laughs> 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 you can load that up on DraftKings, FanDuel, Owner's Box, or Yahoo. If you finish in the top three of a contest with 5,000 or more entries, you get one month of whatever you want at Stochastic. NBA Sims package, projections, ownership, Discord, 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 Discord. Dude, I am having a day today with trying to get words out of my stupid, stupid mouth. Discord, you get the Sims tool, lineup generator, contest generator, everything you can want on the NBA side. And all you have to do is use that logo. Costs you nothing. You don't have to be a sub or I've ever been a sub to us. We just want to promote you. So when you do this, tweet that result at Stochastic HOF. Show us the lineup. Show us the contest. And then we could show everybody that you were awesome and we'll reward you with a month of Stochastic, whatever you want. Again, stochastic.com slash avatar. Portland Trailblazers. 13-point dogs in Oklahoma City, 233 total for the Blazers. We've got Jabari Walker, questionable. DeAndre Ayton, doubtful. Moses Brown out for ages. Robert Williams out for ages. We have 21% ownership coming into Anthony Simons, which I certainly like. Uh, I have him projected for way more minutes than we do right now. Uh, if it's competitive, he'll play 40. Um, unfortunately for Portland, it's rarely competitive. Yeah, single digits across the board for everybody else. I've got a bunch of Simons and a bunch of Jeremy Grant. They are the two guys I would want to get if this game can stay close enough that they can play in the late fourth quarter. We're going to have to keep an eye on Jabari Walker as well. We saw some very odd rotations last game, but keep in mind that they got blown out. Now, 
The spread here is 13 points, and uh, that actually might be a little bit light that it's only yeah. 13 points for this spot. So there's so much blowout risk that it doesn't change the ceiling of the Blazers players. But, man, it's hard for me to say that Anthony Simons is completely likely to play his normal minutes a lot. Man, we don't typically come on here and try to project blowouts because they're very difficult to go ahead and project. But this is a Portland team that really does get smashed in a lot of games. The spread is extremely yeah. wide. And I do think that one of the more likely scenarios, probably the most likely scenario in this game, is that the starters are not playing their final rotation at the end of the fourth quarter. So I, I, I hear you. If Anthony Simons plays his full allotment of minutes, then I definitely think he would look fairly good. But I'm a little hesitant to go out and expect him to play as many minutes as you're giving him, Josh, because the way I'm looking at it, if Anthony Simons is going to be very chalky today, I would rather take my chances and kind of go elsewhere and then just hope that this game is one of those situations where the starters don't play the entire fourth quarter. So I'm looking at it a little bit differently. I think that I am pessimistic by giving Anthony right. Simons 35 minutes. We saw him play 19 and a half minutes in the first half against the Knicks. We just recently saw Portland play a game that went to overtime where he played 45 and a half minutes in that overtime, 40 minutes in regulation. I think that I've taken a couple minutes off of what is normally going to be him playing 38 to 40 minutes a night when that game is competitive. I think 32, like I don't think 32 is crazy or wrong or anything like that, but I think that his actual expected minutes when he's playing in a competitive game is higher than I think we do. Yeah, I do agree with that while also looking at the recent games that Portland's played and you see how lopsided they are. And as a result, it's like, yeah, all right, 26 minutes last game. Then you mentioned like, all right, a competitive game against Brooklyn goes to overtime. They win and he plays 45 minutes. And the games yeah. before that, he plays 23 and 27 because of these stupid blowouts. This team yeah. just does not play in remotely competitive games all that often. The last six games that we have seen Simons play in, there was only one game, and it was the overtime game, that was decided by less than 17 points. Yeah, they're pretty dog shit. <laughs> that's, that's one way to say it. I don't, there's no other, yeah, there's nothing else I can do. It, it's the same situation for me for Jeremy Grant. Like, I, I have a pretty sizable minutes projection over where we have Grant. I'm getting to 18%, he's 5% owned. Like, I kind of like what that's creating for me. But again, it's just, I think that minute ceiling is a little bit higher than what we're showing. I'm hoping that they can stay mildly competitive. It's also very likely that that does not happen. And these guys just hang it up in the end of the middle of the third quarter. Yeah, it's been it's been a rough go here for Portland. Now, if Jabari Walker is out, I do think that brings Duop Reith back into the conversation right now. I don't get to Reith at all. But last game, I mean, we, we saw the potential for Reith to have bigger minutes and play a more substantial role. But once again, the problem is always this team just ends up getting their asses absolutely kicked. And Reef also has shown to be a pretty solid fantasy producer when he's on the court. Terrible matchup for him against OKC. There is blowout risk. I don't get to him at all right now. But also, he's another guy who two games ago in the overtime game, he played 41 minutes. So if yeah. we're going to get Duop Reef in a competitive game who scores over a fantasy point per minute at a reasonable price point in the mid-range, with Jabari Walker out, then he comes into play. But as of right now, yeah. if Walker plays, which is currently my expectation, then Reef is a non-consideration. Do you have any interest in anybody else then? Uh, Shaden Sharp, Scoot? It's hard to say Malcolm Brogdon at this point. Yeah, not really for me. I got like a couple shares of Sharp, a couple of Camara, but nothing that's significant. Okay. 
OKC side, now they're on a back-to-back as well, so we don't totally know what they're doing. I honestly would not be surprised to see someone out for OKC and this line make a little bit more sense because this could be bigger and I wouldn't be surprised by it. Uh, 28% ownership coming into Shea at 10,400. I mean, you have all the salary in the world to get to Shea today. I'm very happy to pay up for him. I'm a little under that number, but not by choice. I'm a bit over, and I know you are as well. 8% ownership coming into Chet. I have 24. And it's this isn't like a situation where our optimal rate is like way higher than the ownership and we know that it's going to stabilize. I think this is just the two of us both getting away from some use of Nurkic ownership and redistributing that to other centers. Yeah, and... Chet has had a massive, massive ceiling this year, and he is already one of the best big men in the NBA. And coming into the season, I thought that, barring injury, I thought Wemby was just a lock to win Rookie of the Year. And then then you start to look at some of Chet's numbers, and until like a slightly downstretch, he had a couple weeks ago, like he was top five in the NBA in EPM of all players, so... Chet has just been ridiculously good. I don't think he's ever gotten that much respect in the DFS world this year, where there's been like a couple of slates where he's been relatively popular. But for the most part, I've been slightly to like fairly heavily overweight to Chet on almost every single slate, I feel like for the last month and a half or so. So my initial run here, I got to Chet in more than a third of my lineups, 34.7% of Chet for me right now. It's a big ceiling. It's a game against Portland where it's a good matchup. Surely there is some blowout risk, but the ownership is just much too low on Chet. I agree, and I'm happy to get there. I'll take any like Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy that I can get to. Uh, don't really see much else, though, here from Oklahoma City. Yeah, looking through my lineups and... Yeah, like Jalen Williams is getting ownership. I'm right around there. Josh Giddy's getting ownership. I'm a little bit underweight to him. Uh, Kenrich Williams, couple of lineups with him. But yeah, it's for me, it's SGA is a payup option just because of the amount of value we have on the slate and you have to spend it somewhere. And then Chet, because he is somebody who has upside and then just is not picking up ownership. All right, next up, we got to talk Bet MGM. They are the sponsor of this show. They got a hell of a deal going on right now for Super Bowl time. If you click the link in the description or the one that pops up in chat and bet $5, you will get $158 in bonus bets. It's that simple. Bet five, get 158. You just got to be in a legal betting state. You'll get two $50 bonus bets and one $58 bonus bet. The, the summary of this information is very easy. You make that $5 bet. Let's say it loses. And then you lose a $50 bet and a $50 bet and a $58 bonus bet. You, lo- you lose all those bonus bets. You're only really down $5 of your own money. And the expectation should be you'll probably pick one of those up and create a little bit of additional cash for yourself. It's that simple. I wish that I could take advantage of it, but I can't. North Carolina, slowly but surely getting there. I'll see you guys in March for sports betting content. The legal age for gambling in most states, is 21 or over. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. It's a hell of a deal. It's the best deal could possibly be. And by the way, people wondering, why, why 58, 158, very specific number, Super Bowl 58, Josh. So that's why you get the, the extra few dollars there. So nothing easier than you just bet a $5 and they give you 158. Seems, seems like something to take advantage of. Absolutely.
Speaking of taking advantage of things, the New York Knicks are four and a half point favorites in Dallas. Uh, I think the Knicks are going to try to take advantage of the Mavs without Luka Doncic today. Got a lot of ownership coming into the Knicks. 15% to DiVincenzo and Hartenstein. About 25 to Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. And 35 to Julius Randle. Around 10 for OG and Precious Achua. I got a bundle of the Knicks, but it's mostly just right at the field numbers. I'm happy to get to New York today. I Not that correlation matters a ton in NBA, but I am always happy when there's one team that's like a massive, obvious chalk spot, which is going to be the Mavericks that we talk about in a second. And then I also yeah. get exposure to the other team on the other end because yes. there is a part of me, I look at my lineups, it's like, all right, I, I know that it's still like points per dollar matters more than anything else, but there is definitely parts of me that get a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, all right, I'm getting like four or five men in all my lineups from one side of the game and you don't get anything from the other side because there is a point where it's like, all right, if you want to be rooting for overtime and to really maximize the amount of ceiling you can get from this spot. So I am happy that I'm getting to a good amount of these Knicks guys here. And like you said, there there is ownership that's already going to them. And I'm not crazy different from the field, but I am slightly overweight to some guys. Like Randall's a popular option. I've got a little bit more from the field. Same with DiVincenzo. Josh Hart being 27% on. I get to him in 28% of lineups. This is going to be a game that should be played at a reasonably fast pace. Well, most games are at this at this uh, 2024 NBA season. There's only a few teams that really play slow, but the total in this game, 233 and a half. And then in addition to that, this is just an easy matchup for the Knicks. They're going up against primarily backups for, well, not primarily backups. When Luke is not in the game, it ends up just being uh, some other players in there, like Jaden Hardy playing big minutes that wouldn't normally be the case. And then also the Knicks rotation is a little bit condensed right now because they just traded away R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly to bring back O.G. Ananobi. Presh Tachua doesn't play a big a big role for this team. We know Thibodeau likes to play tight in rotations. So now you got the core guys from Knicks just are all playing massive minutes that we can really count on, which gives these guys a high floor in addition to a high ceiling. And there isn't that much blowout risk in this game. The spread is only four points. But we've seen Tibbs. The game could be 20 with yeah. four or five minutes left. And he runs the starters out there the entire game. Yeah, he, did, he doesn't go to the ben bench mob uh, all that quickly. Do you agree with our Cathelza right now, Greg? Do you think Miles McBride may be the best play in this game? Miles McBride, by the way, currently projected for 1% ownership. The only guy that actually plays for New York that isn't getting any, any real love other than Quentin Grimes. I feel pretty good that the best play from the game is Jaden Hardy. Yep, you and me both. I'll definitely go with the guy that's projected for 95% ownership and not the guy projected for one. Just me, though. Just me. I mean, Hardy is crazy popular. Like, on one hand, I understand that Arkathelza is probably thinking at it from a standpoint of, like, what, what kind of it takes to say that Jaden Hardy's the best play on the slate, you know, because everybody's playing him. How much leverage is there if we're all playing Jaden Hardy? But the answer is Jaden Hardy. Yes, it is. Uh, there are... 15 more answers before you're getting to Miles McBride as well, just in, in case we're going to do this. To be I've exact, got 46% actually, of Randall. I, I, I think Randall is the best option from the Knicks at this point. Yeah, so in order for me, it's Randall, DiVincenzo, Hart, Hartenstein, Ananobi, Brunson, Achua. I, None of those I sound I like McBride. Case, I think I can make him... <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think I can make a case that McBride wouldn't be my top 15. If I just go by what I have, it's Randall, Brunson, Hart, Hartenstein, DiVincenzo, Achua, Ananobi, and then I have the ability to choose between Miles McBride and Quentin Grimes. 
But remember, we're not saying just from the Knicks, from the game in total. I, I'm if if we oh, yeah. include the Dallas players, I don't think he's in my top fifteen. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, no, he is at best seventeenth, and I think you can make a very good case. And keep in mind, in that seventeen, I have AJ Lawson. <laughs> so oh, okay, so I wasn't I wasn't gonna have. Uh... AJ Lawson out of him. Not that not that it matters all that much here. Uh, but the point being, Miles McBride, not somebody who is uh who is going to be in uh in my lineup state, not who I consider the best play from the game. If you think Dallas gets smoked, I hope you're betting on the game. The line's four and a half, same as the Boston Celtics in Milwaukee today. And I don't think anybody's like, well, I think Boston gets smoked. Same game, guys. Same game. The only the only game where I think we should be really concerned about a blowout, and don't forget to Kyrie is playing for the Dallas Mavericks today. The yeah. only one game I'm really concerned about a blowout where it probably is the most likely outcome is the OKC Portland game. That one brings some uh, very realistic blowout risk. <laughs> yeah, thirteen point spread, and if we go ahead and uh, going back to some of the dunks and threes numbers, the adjusted net rating for OKC. Third best in the NBA, a positive 6.1, whereas the Portland Trailblazers are a negative 7.8. So that is a 14-point differential. And then OKC is also at home. So I think you make a case of the fair line for that game. It should probably be like 17 or 17 and a half. Yeah. Well, let's do the Dallas thing, which honestly, I don't even think there's much to talk about. Like, it's so cut and dry that I don't even know. Like, there's not really nuance. No Luka Doncic. No Dante Exum, no Derek Lively. Uh, doubtful tag on, well, let's say doubtful tag on Derek Lively. Doubtful tag on Maxi Kleba, too. Uh, I'm sure they want him back, well, as soon as possible, I guess. And then Q tag on Grant Williams. So we just saw this exact same situation happen six days ago. I think it's six days ago, where there was no Luca. January 5th, no Luca, no Exum, no Derek Lively. Now that one didn't have Grant Williams either. They haven't exactly been fond of Grant Williams to begin with, so I don't think that he's going to affect things too much here. That's basically just a pivot with Dwight Powell. But we saw Jaden Hardy get a start in that one, played 32 minutes. I was pessimistic. I went 28. So did we. He is projected for 95% ownership, 79% chance of being optimal. I have him in 100% of lineups. I'm quite confident you do as well. Uh, I don't know what else you do here. Like, it is... It's as close to a free square in the pick'em market as you could possibly get to in DFS, assuming he's starting. Yeah, that's the only thing I was going to add is if Jaden Hardy comes off the bench, and we've seen them do that at times this year too, like if they end up deciding, hey, we need more perimeter shooting on the court, and they go with Seth Curry instead. It's within the range of outcomes. I think that is something they could do, but assuming Jaden Hardy starts, which is currently how my lineups are set up, yeah, he's in 100% of my lineups. He is my most rostered player because he can't have anybody in more than 100% of lineups. And then there's a bunch of other exposure that I'm getting to the Dallas Mavericks as well. The team I get the most exposure to is Dallas by a mile. There's a fairly big gap. And then it's the New York Knicks. And they're the team I get the second most exposure to. And it's also a lot of them. So this game is going to be very important. Yeah. And just to be clear, like if Jaden Hardy doesn't start, he's still 40% owned today. Like it, he's still chalk, no matter how this breaks. Um, he just won't be 95% chalk. But for the rest of this team, 67% ownership coming into Tim Hardaway, 64 to Derek Jones Jr., 58 to Kyrie, 47 to Dwight Powell, 34 to Josh Green, only seven to Grant Williams, uh, which I think starts to get like interesting as a 
I'm just going to get one of the guys from this team that isn't as owned. Seth Curry's getting seven. As I mentioned, I got 4% of AJ Lawson. I projected him to play. Um, it's just a never ending supply of Dallas Mavericks. I don't know what else you could possibly do here. There's no Luka Doncic. It changes everything. I'm opening my office door, about, by the way. It's a lot of minutes available. It's a lot of usage available. And as far as the order of priorities for these guys, because I do think that the best way to talk about the Mavericks outside of just saying that we're getting a ton of exposure to them is also kind of tearing off the players and how they look relative to yeah. what their price tags are. So I put Jaden Hardy is in a tier totally by himself. Like he is, he's the God tier of, of this yeah. team for DFS purposes for today. Once again, assuming he starts. Yes. Then there's another player who is kind of on his own tier for me. And that is Tim Hardaway Jr in the mid range, who I also think kind of his own tier, his own price tag. The next yes. guy also who I would put on his own tier is Kyrie Irving because he is in a totally different price range and he's overall the best pay up option on the slate. Like if I could only pay up for one guy today, it would be Kyrie Irving. Now I'm not all that different in terms of what the field is doing right now. Our, our initial ownership is right around 50%. I think that's about right because there are other pay up options I also want to be getting to. So it's not like I get to 80% of Kyrie. And then you get all the rest of the guys grouped together, like Derek Jones Jr., Dwight Powell, Josh Green, and then everybody beyond that is kind of dark throws, like your Seth Currys and Grant Williams of the world. So that's how I'm viewing the Mavericks. It's the best team on the slate to get to. It's a four-game or Luka Doncic is out. If you have lineups that don't have any Dallas Mavericks in it, you've made a mistake. Yes, that is very, very, very true. The, the Kyrie piece is the one that's really tripping me up because I like him. He grades out very well i have 36 percent, so i'm pretty sizably under the field on kyrie irving now i went 36 minutes we went 37 and a half i could easily give him another minute and it's fine i don't want to try to talk people out of kyrie i'm intrigued by the betting markets his points prop is 30 and a half for today and his assist prop is six and a half heavily juiced to the under kyrie irving on the season in games that he has played with Luka Doncic off the floor, he's played 256 minutes in that time. His usage rate, 28%. Essentially the exact same as his usage rate always. The difference though, he averages about seven assists per 100 possessions. In the minutes that he's played without Luka on the floor, that rate jumps to 11 per 100 possessions or basically a, an additional 50% to his assist rate. The prop market is not showing him to be getting more assists, and it's assuming he's scoring more. We have not seen that happen yet for Dallas. So I'm still projecting Kyrie Irving really well, but it's because I'm giving him like basically two more assists and slightly less points and offsetting where that is. If I give him another minute, I'm probably neutral to the field. But I think if you want to try to bet on this one, I took Kyrie's under in points on prize picks today. The number one bet on Odd Shopper today. If you guys want to sign up for Odd Shopper, there's a link for that below. And you could also use the promo code Greg to get yourself 20% off there. The number one bet of the day on Odd Shopper, it is under 43.5 PRA for Kyrie Irving, which is also plus money. So that is the uh, number one looking bet there. If it was if it was even money, if it was juiced towards the under, it would be a different situation. But the fact that that line is like one that we project to be Close to 50-50 of it winning 53% of the time, but it's a plus money bet there. It ends up rating out with an 8% expected EV. So uh, I'll yeah. chopper agrees with what you're looking at there, Josh. I have it at 40.2 if it helps. So 
Um, and I would probably just go directly to like the points market and the assists market and probably hit them both if I could and hope for that value. But still, yeah, uh, it's I'm not saying he's not a great play. He's a very cost effective pay up option today. And I will want to have him for sure. But I think the way that he is being projected is like pretty interesting in terms of what that market looks like and what he's actually done. That said, play them all. Hardaway, Irving, Hardaway, Irving, Green, Hardy, Powell, Derek Jones. Those six dudes to me are basically like unassailable for today. I don't know how you just like if you're playing one lineup, clearly you're getting away from some of them. But like that six person core is just playing those minutes barring injury. And then another thing I'll add to this, because I know it's going to be a question that if people haven't already thrown into YouTube chat, they're either thinking about it, they're going to ask us later. And that is, what is the most amount of Dallas Mavericks that I'm willing to play in a lineup on FanDuel? It's four. On DraftKings, it's five. Yeah. My optimal has six. I, I think you're going to get a lot of six type builds. Um, would I care if I had six? No, not really. When I built it with six, the other two people in the lineup were like, Dame and Giannis or like AD and some other payup options. So it's not like you're just jamming in two additional like un or like irrelevant dudes. But I think the more likely scenario is that I have some lineups with five and I probably have a lot with four. Yeah. I, and I don't imagine I have to actually look at this right now. I am not going to have. All right. So my initial my initial run of lineups here, I do not have a single lineup that doesn't have multiple maps in it. I have some with only two. I have no lineups with less than two Dallas Mavericks players. I think I have one. I don't know how easy it's going to be for me to find that. Yeah, so what I, what I did is I exported my lineups from the Sims tool, the Fantasy Cruncher, and then just looked at the stacks page just to see what it was that I was getting as a breakdown in my different lineups. And yeah, at least two Mavericks in every single one of my lineups. And then I was kind of split between three and four man stacks as well. I think there's one, there's supposed to be one here with just one, but as I'm scanning the logos, it doesn't appear to jump off the page for me. I feel like I'm playing like a, <laughs> like the like a uh, like a mega touch right now trying to find like the differences in a picture uh, uh, five man stacks i'm actually what i think it is is i think i have a six man somewhere and i'm thinking that it's a one so i i think i just have all but i i only have i have two lineups with only two that becomes jaden hardy simons hardaway it ends up putting Kenrich Williams in a lineup with Chet Brunson, Torian Prince, and Julius Randle. Hopefully that one uh, falls by the wayside <laughs> by the time we could be Travis hit us with the super chat in $28 Canadian. I don't, I don't know what that is in real money, but shout out to the process show took down the night slate for 5k. It's almost as if waking up at 3 30 AM and breaking down projections may help others. <laughs> Apparently uh, from what I understand, it doesn't help. But um, I think that it does. Yeah, according to some people, it doesn't. According to others, it is. Uh, a lot of people have been telling us they've been making a bunch of money. So uh, we had uh, Calvin, who is somebody who's frequently yeah. in the YouTube chat and then has uh, also been somebody who engaged with us on Twitter, has been watching our content for a while. He came in second in the in the $15 on DK with a single bullet last night, Josh. Second place with a single bullet. 
I love it. I had way more bullets and way less second places. <laughs> uh, same, same as me. I had zero second place lineups yesterday. Greg, you mentioned Odd Shopper before, and we were pulling it up and shopping around for some of these lines. Um, I use it on the Pick'em side, not the sports betting side, because I can't. But this product, man, it's just printing winners. I see your graph results. Uh, I see the artist formerly known as Ship My Money's results out there. I know more people on the back end for us have just been crushing it with Odd Shopper. Tell everybody how much you love it. It's really easy to use, especially for me, because I used to put a ton of time into my sports betting where I was constantly logged into FanDuel, logged into DraftKings, whatever other books I was using at different points in times, and just trying to find whatever little edges I could find, particularly when injury reports would drop. And it would be something that would be an incredibly time-extensive process for me. Now, to be a positive EV and make money betting on sports, all I have to do is log into Odd Shopper, look at some of the top bets of the day, and just go down the list and just bet everything that's plus EV that I possibly can. And that's been really profitable for me. So last year, just really most, like almost all my bets come off of Odd Shopper. Now, other than like some futures that I like for myself. So last year, and I post these bets all the time on Twitter, I profited about $30,000 using Odd Shopper last year. And it's a cheap product. It's less than $50 a month. You get access to our plus EV betting model, get access to Discord, get access to expert picks. So my favorite bets of the day, I throw them into Discord. I tag them on the Odd Shopper page. So they show up on the experts picks page. And considering the price of the product, you don't have to be a very high dollar better. I will guarantee you that if you guys sign up for Odd Shopper and you use it for a long extended period of time, it is going to pay for itself. Could not agree more. Yeah, the, the price is down. Like if you looked at it, uh, you know, six months ago, the price is now down significantly in comparison to where it is and is un unequivocally a better product than it was. It, it is getting better and better as the days go by. I'm very excited to start firing away bets uh, once North Carolina gets their heads out of their asses. Which uh, I believe is going to be soon. It, suppose, the rumor is soon, is it not? March Madness is the the murmurings that I've heard, which is right. too far away. <laughs> <laughs> Two months. Final game, Phoenix Suns, late night hammer, one point dogs in Los Angeles against the Lakers. Not a lot of ownership here coming into Phoenix. 6% to Beal, to Booker, to Grayson Allen, 25 to Yusuf Nurkic. Um, we seem to like that Yusuf Nurkic uh, ownership. He is 26% optimal and 25% owned. Uh, I don't have the same feel. I think it's really easy to get to all of the centers that aren't getting ownership in lieu of Nurkic. Not that he doesn't look like a solid play, but it's not really a great matchup on the opposite side with AD there. And if he's 25% owned and Chet's in single digits and Brooke Lopez is in single digits, I'm going to take my chances on those guys and not be with Nurk. But that said, if you like Nurk, play Nurk. I get to some of Nurk, underweight to what his current projected ownership is. And it's like you said, there's a lot of centers that I think are pretty good options to go to today. The easiest one for me to look at and say, Chet is a third the ownership of Nurkic for today. And, you know, he's more expensive, but not like wildly so. So for, for me personally, I, I would rather get to some of these other low-owned centers than Nurkic, especially when you consider the lineups that we're building today. We're playing a lot of chalk guys. That happens a lot in NBA, but like massive chalk guys in the Dallas Mavericks. 
And if we're trying to figure out like where can we differentiate some of our lineups, I think one of the easier ways to do it is you go a little bit underweight to the field on Nurkic and in turn you get overweight to guys like Chet who's projected for single digit ownership. What do you want to do with the rest of this Phoenix team? Because I am generally uninterested. The only player that I have uh, some interest in for low ownership, because like I, I get a little bit of Booker, but nothing that's really all that significant. Uh, I did find myself to 15% of Bradley Beal, who okay. is who's not picking up ownership for, for today. And this is somebody that I do think has some upside. If we look at his minutes from the last few games, there is zero restriction for him at all. I mean, the, the Suns are doing bonkers things with their guys and some of the playing time because Booker, Beal, Durant, they've all had some injury issues at times this year. And they bring these guys back from injuries. Like Kevin Durant comes back from a hamstring injury. He's on a minutes restriction. He blows past minutes restriction his first game back. And they play him in a back-to-back the next day and just play him full minutes again. And Bradley Beal, who was dealing with a back injury that kept him out for a really long time, he comes back and almost immediately throw him into big minutes the last few games. 35, 37, 37, 41 clearly doesn't have the same role with Phoenix that he's had with other teams he's been on in the past because he's got so many other stars that are high usage guys that he's sharing the ball with. But at 7% ownership, like just a single digit number on Bradley Beal, field not going to really be getting there. I do think it makes sense to take some shots on him because this is still a talented guy who's playing a lot of minutes that the field isn't getting to. My only concern for Bradley Beal is this. And I agree with the things that you said. Bradley Beal has played 175 minutes in games that he, Durant, Booker, and Nurk have all started. The big four, so to speak. Bradley Beal's usage rate in that time, 18.3%. He is very clearly the least involved of those four guys. Nurkic in that time, by the way, 25. Maybe that's why he's projecting so well. I don't know. I don't know what they want Beal to be. And maybe that's just him finding his way and we slowly see that creep up, which is kind of how I'm betting it. Like I have him projected for 22% usage. I don't think that 18.3 is real long-term, but that is what we've seen so far. That would be my only pushback. Yeah, and there's also just been so little data on this team together. I mean, we didn't even see them. How many games into the season was it before we saw Beal, Booker, and Durant all be able to take the court at the same time? Because it was like, first, Beal was her, then Booker, Durant, like, and they were all just like rotating who was out. And then I remember that when Beal was finally about to come back and looked like the team was all going to be together. And then I think it was Durant who got out that time. So it's very limited reps that we've seen these guys go. And there's been a lot of panic about this team as well. There's the dumb rumors that Durant might ask out that shams is kind of thrown about and whatever you can't judge this team until you've seen all three of their stars play together and for a significant amount of time there's definitely some concerns that might not fit together well but i'm not giving up on them yet and i think this is a pretty good buy low spot on bradley beal i can't imagine there's going to be a four game slate going forward where he's going to be a combination of being this cheap as well as this low owned no, I'm, I'm with you. It's it's a six-game sample. Einsteinium says, I think they want Beal to be the point guard. Well, that's not coming out in the stats either. Devin Booker, 10 assists per 100 possessions. Kevin Durant, 7.5. Bradley Beal, 5.9. Yeah, I don't think they know what they want him to be. No, and they it's going to be a trial by error thing, and there just hasn't been enough, there hasn't been enough trialing. The Los Angeles Lakers on the opposite side, 23% ownership to AD. 24 to LeBron, 17 to Christian Wood. We're going to have that discussion if you want. Uh, That won't. I don't think that'll hold. Uh, 11% to Torian Prince. 
the the easiest spot to start is AD and LeBron. We have infinite salary available coming out of Dallas, and these two salaries are not all that cost prohibitive. They're facing Phoenix, 22nd in defensive rating. It's just very easy to get to AD and LeBron. I'm matching the field on LeBron. I'm 2Xing AD. It's just very simple to roster those two dudes. Yep, AD, we were talking before about how we weren't getting Giannis, and it's primarily because of two guys for me, SGA and then Anthony Davis. These are two guys that project fairly similar to Giannis, but they're considerably cheaper. So, uh, yeah, AD looks good as a payup option. LeBron looks good as a payup option. I wish the Lakers would stop this bullshit, but they've been doing it for three years where they just list LeBron as questionable every single game for whatever reason. You know, every once in a while, he does end up sitting out. He's missed some games this year, but it's almost always Fagazi that he's listed as questionable on the injury report. So I totally ignore that that's the designation for him. He's gone from having uh, like groin to knee to an illness to an ankle. And that's what he's listed now is with an ankle injury. I don't take that seriously at all. Beyond on the high end, Anthony Davis, LeBron, both look like pretty good payup options. And we've talked a little bit about the front court because Rui is doubtful and not expected to play in addition to Cam Reddish being questionable. What do you want to do with the rest of these Lakers guys, though? How do you feel about that? The third most owned dude being Christian Wood. I think it's flimsy, right? Yeah. Because this is something where we could end up seeing this change pretty significantly. He played 24 minutes last game. And that was also a spot where there was no Rui Hachimura. So if we do see Rui officially ruled out, which I expect to be the case, I think we're probably getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 24 minutes again out of Christian Wood, which uh, definitely makes him somebody to get to, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. They gave him like this really weird three-minute rotation at the end of the second quarter to like stop LeBron from playing the entire quarter, which I think was kind of weird. I went 20 minutes. We have 22. I'm probably a minute light, maybe two minutes late. Like, I like where we're at there. I'm like, I'm nervous that they don't have to play him that same amount. And like Jared Vanderbilt can just take two of those minutes instead. Yeah. And there, there's certainly no consistency to the Lakers uh, front court guys. And this is also one of these situations where if you guys are a stochastic member and you use the Sims and where it's really helpful and why we started adding Lee on the show. So like Lee was on the show last night. Rich is going to be on shows as well. Those are the, the two guys who are doing the most work on our NBA projections is there is a difference between certain guys who like a Jaden, if Jaden Hardy starts, like that's a piece of chalk that we can feel very, very confident in, that we can feel really good about his minutes and his projection on. Whereas there's also going to be bench guys like, you know, Christian Wood, Jared Vanderbilt, where the minutes are very flimsy. You, and it's, it's one of the flaws with yeah. projections. You could only put in one set of minutes for each player when you're doing projections, and it's your best guess. And for a situation like this with the Lakers backup big minutes, it is very, very hard to nail down. So if I was running lineups and I was getting myself to like 40% of Christian Wood, this is where I'd be most apt to do like a negative ROI boost in the Sims tool and then maybe do like yeah. a positive ROI boost to like you mentioned Vanderbilt to kind of flatten out a little bit because there is a wide range of outcomes in minutes. And not only do we not know who's going to play for the Lakers, they probably don't know either. They're probably going to approach with a hot hand approach, like who's playing well, all right, this is who gets more minutes, this is who yeah. closes the game. I think right now it is most likely Christian Wood that picks up the minutes for Rui, but I, I don't think anything is certain or guaranteed. No, I mean, the game before that, we saw D'Angelo Russell play 31. Christian Wood yeah. played 16. Like it's, we know who is playing the minutes. The the like last dude to play the extra minutes 
is certainly up for debate today. And if Christian Wood is already 17% owned, I have a hard time finding myself joining it. If he were 6% owned, then I'd be like, I like the flyer for Christian Wood if he could step into 24 minutes. But if everybody's already there, I think we can find a different version of him somewhere else. Yeah, so we'll see what ends up happening later on the day. And also, he's somebody who is going to be one of the first ones to get taken uh, out of my exposure. Not like entirely, but come down on. Because right now I'm around the field on him. But if we were to see a scenario where players get ruled out from the Celtics, for instance, like he would be very easy to be replaced with other value. Anything else you want to touch on or are we done? Uh, I think that we are done here because outside of uh, AD, LeBron, the Christian Wood situation, there's nothing like all that appealing from the Lakers. There we go, folks. Shout out to us for finishing this four-game slate. Shout out to BetMGM for being the sponsor. Live before lock tonight at 6.30. Thanks to Jordan for producing. We will talk to you later. Peace.